Hello, podcast world. Welcome to Vicarious Living, a show about a couple Midwest dudes breaking down all the beauty that is teen drama TV. Tonight we're going to watch the episode Mud Bowl. Episode 20. Episode 20, Mud Bowl. It was a muddy, rainy game on television, but it's beautiful outside. This one, uh, it needed to just be its standalone because there was 37 different storylines in this episode and all of them just brought the fucking heat. It was action-packed. This yeah. is, I, I would say this is one of my favorite episodes. So I'm going to keep this a little tucked away in case we do kind of the best of again. Mudbowl. Yes. Don't steal this one this time. No, this I might have to be mine too because this one is just, it's so fucking good. Um, All right, so obviously we just watched an awesome episode. If this podcast sucks, it's just on us. Yeah, it's because on us. Because the content we're going off of was completely awesome. So. It was fire content, and so yeah. The pressure's on. Pressure's on. Um, I'll do the housekeeping since you kicked us off. Email, email, email. VicariousLivingPod at gmail.com. Instagram, VicariousLivingPodcast at Instagram.com. I don't know why that makes me laugh every time I say that. I don't know if anybody actually goes to Instagram.com. I recently realized uh, when posting to Instagram that you cannot even post on online. Really? I've never been to the website. You can only, like, I, I was going there because I wanted to post a video and you can't, that I just grabbed from YouTube, but you can't physically post a video on Instagram.com on really? a desktop. I wonder, like, does Snapchat have a desktop site? I don't know. We should find that out. I don't know. But, um, okay, so, a couple things, a couple other housekeeping things. Um, so, we have a mailbag. Oh. Yeah. Does that excite you? Yes. Yes. This is interesting. <laughs> Mailbox has been a little empty lately, kind of getting dusty. I didn't see this, though. But we got a hot letter in. Okay. Um, this actually comes from one of our listeners who is a little behind, so it's still going to be about the OC. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> okay, we'll she take it. She promises she's catching up, but this is going to be an OC question. It's female. Uh-huh. This comes from Andrea H. from oh, Cincinnati. Oh, okay. Um. In her comment, it was more of like a comment than a question. Yeah. But it was just a couple years ago when she realized that the actor who plays Trey Atwood from the OC was not Tom Hardy. (laughs) So she said she went years just thinking that was the same person. Damn. That's interesting because Tom Hardy's way bigger than that guy. Like, I wouldn't have... That guy's like... Tom Hardy actually would have made sense to be Ryan's brother based on how like stocky he is and yeah. him winning and fights versus Ryan. Yeah, because Ryan's a Tasmanian devil, not like a lanky, you know, pterodactyl. Mm-hmm. No, not like a lanky like Velociraptor. He's like a fucking stocky Tasmanian devil. So, um, yeah. Wait, wait, quick. Do you think Tasmanian devils are dinosaurs? No. Oh, okay. But I, just had to <laughs> just, I just really wanted to compare a Tasmanian devil to a velociraptor. I see. No, no, I get it. Velociraptor, by the way, the most frightening dinosaur. I would never want to fucking come across with, one. With the foot talons? Is they're so fast. They're so fucking fast, and they're just as ferocious as a T-Rex. So, like, a T-Rex, top speed, I'm pretty sure, is only, like, 10 miles an hour. It's not very fast. That sounds false, but I'll go with it. Let's just assume it's true, and it's not very fast. Velociraptors are probably running at, like, a cheetah speed. For me, I'm, I'm with you, lockstep on this uh, take. But for me, it's because I feel like a T-Rex is so big that I could just kind of hide from it. Yeah, where a Velociraptor's like... They're down on your level, and they could... They yeah, could there's, there's no hiding. Anyways, no, that's a good point by Andrea H., because... Um, they do look the same. They do in the face, but where Andrea H., you really need to like take a good hard look, is in the pre-cut sleeveless, the arms that mm-hmm. are under that pre-cut sleeveless in Trey Atwood. 
because he's got little bitch arms. That's what sets him apart, you're right. And there's no way Tom Hardy would ever have those bitch guns sitting there under that pre-cut sleeveless. Mm -hmm. That is science, Andrea H. Um, She also mentioned in the same message that um, we really missed out on the butterfly tattoo in our OC accessories list. Uh, Alex, Alex's butterfly. That didn't turn me on though. I don't like that. Uh, Well, yes, it's our accessories list wasn't turn ons. It was just things that were known for. Like I mean, I did get pretty turned on by the leather choker that Ron wore, but yeah, yeah, that yes. By the way, those chokers are kind of coming back a little bit. You'll see some girls wearing them now. Really? Yeah, yeah. Never dudes. Never. They're never coming back on dudes. But Ryan. But yeah. Um. Anyways. No, I love that. I love the mailbag. Good job uh, bringing that up because I had not seen that and that does excite me. Okay, so a couple things, a couple other housekeeping things. It's not really housekeeping, but I just want to kick this podcast off before we get into FNL. I, I'm coming off a week of being at a work event in Orlando, Florida. It shows. Yeah. I don't know what you mean by that, but yeah. Take it as you want. Okay. So I was at a work event, and one of the nights there was an awards dinner where they get up the the, the like the leaders of the company get up and they give awards out for like people who've been there like twenty five years, like twenty years, and they they make them a, a member of like this exclusive like club. And it was making me so. What they do is they they get up there on stage and they start describing an employee, and it's all anonymous. You don't know if you're about to win this like lifetime achievement award. Is were you nervous? No, because you can only get in if you've been there ten years, and most people you have to be there like twenty years. Like it's pretty exclusive. I think, I think it's only like one percent of the people at the company are in it. So anyways, when they get up there, they start describing the person in all vague terms. But uh, and then so they'll be like, this person is an associate who moves with speed or this person is a man for others and has done a lot of community service. He has two kids. He like they'll keep it vague like that. And like eventually people start like midway through. They'll be like, oh, that's Todd. This is Todd. (laughs) This is Todd. It's got to be. This is Todd. So anyways, I was thinking very realistically, if they ever did this on me, it would go when they were describing me, it would go very differently. How and do you think it would go? So I put together a list of how I feel like I would be described. Oh, nice. I love this self-reflection. Yeah. All right. Let's hear it. Now this now keep in mind, this is going to be baked in buzzwords and buzz like phrases. Okay. So like. You'll, you'll start to get the feel for it. But anyways, this is what I do at these work events is I sit there and I pay uh, basically no attention to what's happening and I just keep thinking up ways on how I would be described in a negative way. Okay. Okay, so. Brian, a.k.a. Wind, he's getting an award this year for, for work longevity, lifetime achievement award. Okay, this associate who is still anonymous at this point, he is an associate who always last one in, first one out. An associate who's always rests on his laurels. An associate who works really soft and plays even softer. <laughs> an associate who prides himself on hitting the ground crawling. Always thinks inside the box. He's constantly willing to burn the candle at only one end or burning the midday oil. An associate who, where a rising tide will never be enough to lift his boat. An associate who prides himself on never getting and exceeds expectations while also never being put on a low performance plan. An associate who offers to revisit topics offline after the meeting, but then never actually follows up. An associate who always dresses for the job he has versus the job he wants and only strikes while the iron is cold. I love it. That's you, <laughs> That's dude, it. to a T. I mean, I've always known you as a guy who loves resting on your laurels. Yeah, some always resting on. Yeah, constantly resting on your laurels, and also your midnight oil bucket is full to the brim. Yeah, you've got plenty left. Yeah, and it's never involving work in that oil. I can't wait till you win that award. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so. 
Anyways, that's what I do at these work conferences. Damn, I feel like just read, like listening to you read that, I feel like I was at that work conference for like a week. Yeah, yeah, so. it's a lot of that stuff. Um, okay, should we get into Friday Night Lights? Please. Um, anything you want to kick off with? Um, so the very first scene, if you remember last we left, um, a very passionate scene with a little music laid in the background by you. What was that song called again? Oh, Wicked Game. Wicked Game. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That song, yeah. that song's meant to keep you horny. Yeah. 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 Um, and baked in taboo, like horny, but yeah. horny, only horny in a taboo way. Uh huh. I'd like to know more about that song, but that's we'll we'll do some research after this. Anyways, we left it off with Riggins and his next door neighbor, mm. kind of getting together. Mm. This episode starts with him, like waking up in her bed. Yeah. Do you think so? Did he just sleep over that first night with the kid and with <clears throat> all that stuff? It's unclear if like time has passed. But either way, they're... Because they start making out, and she's like, Bo can never know. He He's at piano practice. Yeah. And then the next scene is him waking up in her bed, and she's, like, drinking coffee. So Bo knows at this point. It, I, Bo knows. Was that on a thing about Bo Jackson? Isn't that a famous thing, like, Bo, Bo knows or Bo does or something? Um, maybe. You can look I'm it up. Let me see. I'll look it up right here. I think that was, like, an... Yeah, Bo knows. It was a marketing campaign yeah. for Nike. So that was crazy that you just said that. <laughs> I feel like that's a sublime that I don't, it's kind of like me making up hurt so good. I bet you heard Bo knows. I think, just, I think you're absolutely right. right. I feel like we got an episode title now. Yeah. The, the main thing I'll say about um, that morning though, that, that gets me kind of my, my thoughts percolating mm-hmm. is they show that Brooke Langton girl and she's wearing, by the way, the, the, like the hottest outfit of all fucking time. She's wearing like, the dude's shirt unbuttoned a lot. Oh, yeah. Now I'm with you. To where it's basically just covering her nipples. <laughs> and love that. And she's... So I'm going to steal this from Carolla, Adam Carolla's podcast. But he's always talking about how, like, in commercials and movies, people are holding coffee cups, like, with both hands. Like, they got, they got one hand in the handle. Yep. And the other hand is kind of cupping it on the bottom slash side and it's always up to their face like they're just wafting the the coffee aromas into their being really precious about the mother coffee <sighs> into their nose <laughs> <laughs> and um i've never seen anyone drink coffee that way never usually people are essentially just butt chugging it or fucking mainlining it into their fucking veins yeah. to get it the get, caffeine get in. this drink in me I, do, I haven't seen a lot of people that are like that savor coffee it like at, that in that way. I mean, I'm always butt chugging mine. I think she's just savoring the moment because she had a 16 year old Tim Riggins in her bed. Oh, good point. Good point. So yeah, if you're a 37 year old and you've just got some hot 16 year old male ass, mm-hmm. you wake up the next morning and you just want to be sniffing all that coffee right up your nose. Yeah, like it's 16 year old cocaine so, coffee. <laughs> So clearly, whatever they have, uh, like, has gone from taboo to like just kind of like a, a relationship overnight. Okay, this is a good point. Taboo. Let's discuss taboo, because when they're at the bank, when Tim shows up at the bank where she actually works, and he's surprised, like, picked up Bo from school. I I was thinking about taboo, and I was wondering, like, well, you're always thinking about taboo. <laughs> yes. I want to discuss the intricacies of Taboo because when they're at this bank, it's like for her, now the taboo is kind of gone for me. I would be mortified. So let's look at it from two angles, two perspectives. If you're her, if you're at your house in your yard and there's the neighbor kid looking all hot, working on his car, shirtless, glistening, fucking with sweat. That's Tim getting a little greasy. Mm-hmm. Taboo's at a full 10. No one's looking. It's just you and your thoughts. But now, if you're out in the real world at work, and he comes in to visit you picking up your son, and, like, your boss is there, then it starts to get into, like, a, dude, get the fuck out of here. Why are you here? Get the fuck out of here. If anyone sees this, like, they're going to actually think something's happening or whatever. And then I have to go to jail. Yeah, and then, yeah, so... 
it was, no, I I get you that. I feel like you're right. The taboo lives in a lives in its own little terrarium. The taboo right. terrarium. Mm, we should yes, it does. We should call it that. The taboo terrarium, yeah. or like ta- taboo fishbowl, taboo vacuum, anything that's locked in airtight. Yes. So, I had in that same bank scene. I kind of had this thought, and I was curious to see what you thought about it. I feel like Tim is big and we might have talked about this with Lila even. He really likes unavailable girls. Well who doesn't? Not Tim. <laughs> That's for sure. <laughs> yeah. But yeah. like really like like Lila or not Lila, um Tyra yeah. is actually like who he should be with, but he's like uninterested. Yeah. He really can't be bothered with her. Um He always wants what he can't he can't have. But... So like his two the two girls he seems to be fascinated by one his best friend's girlfriend yeah clearly pretty unavailable there mm-hmm. and then a 37 year old with a kid yeah who it's technically illegal for him to be with technically but not in his pants but technically yes i see what you're saying i mean yeah he's not gonna let the law <laughs> stand in the way <laughs> it's not like the law is gonna stop boners right i mean that's that's as true as time itself the law will never stop boners right but the thing I was thinking about, um, so yes, for Tim, is the taboo always just on? Because I think if you're her, there's really something to lose. If you're him, the taboo probably never turns off. If you're out at home in your taboo terrarium, or if you're at a, her work where her boss is there, it's not like you care. It's not like you're going to jail. Right, but you can tell that, and I forget, and this is kind of nice because I forget how this, like, how it winds up between the two of them. But I feel like he's way more into her than she is of him. Yeah, she's in... So, like, same yeah. with Lila, like, where Tim's going to get his heart broken again. But it's like, fucking Tim, you moron. What did you think was going to happen? Tim's just like that that hot guy, and I think he's getting a little sick of this. That hot guy, that girl's just... You're the dangerous guy. That girl's just want to hook up with. But then no one actually wants to date you. You're not, like, boyfriend material. No. But you're, like, the guy that every girl fantasizes about having sex with. And you think he's tired of that role? I think, yeah. I think that's what we're seeing a little bit is he's he's looking for a real girlfriend. He's not just trying to be, you know, like... It's nice pipe. that I'm getting married because I was starting to get tired of that same thing. Yeah. Just being the bad boy. Yeah, a bunch that. of random just tang out there that you're just laying down that wood on. People are just like, God. I mean, he's obviously not a relationship type, but no. just he's so fucking dangerous that... He's so fucking dangerous, covered in broken glass, that pat. Mmm! yes i can level with him i can level with him yeah i know you can i know you can um but okay so there is one let's play a clip let's put a clip in we haven't even put a clip in yet let's put a clip in of the bank manager and what he says to tim when he's at that bank meeting that girl it's it's probably not a good idea for you to come in here though why because it's a small town. Hey, 33. Hey. Better buckle up that chin strap. I hear those Viking boys bring the wood. Oh, you bet. We got to cover though, sir. No worries. Because it's a small town. Now, what do you want for dinner tonight? <laughs> Such a douche. Uh, uh, that was just... That was kind of harkens back to our conversation with Hank about, like, someone is so cool and then... The bank manager's clearly a fucking nerd, loser. And he comes up to Tim and, like, trying to be cool. He's like, gosh, strap up that chin strap, bud. Lay, lay down the wood. It's hey, like, bank manager, nobody says that. Get out of my face. <laughs> hey, bank manager, fucking keep it in your pants, guy. You look like a fucking idiot. Yeah, um, <laughs> I was just laughing, though, because Tim's clearly just so fucking cool. Um... Let's go let's go to what's happening though the context of this whole episode starts off where there's an explosion by the way the most fucking frightening thing that could ever happen is Saracen's in the coach's office and then all of a sudden the window just shatters there's like a noise and the window shatters and you're like whoa what yeah, the it seems like there's a bomb in the parking lot or something yeah it's like that's what, what I thought happened what the fuck is this a terrorist attack and um and then it turns out there was just this train that got into an accident and it was a chemical train and like all these chemicals like during the wreck like exploded and, and there's all this 
So anyways, point is, they can't now play their next playoff football game against their rivals at their stadium because the air's like all toxic and shit. Yeah, and they also canceled school for the week. And there's like a teacher, somebody with a bullhorn, kind of after, right after the train got derailed, like making announcements to the kids. And he's like, all right, well, school's going to be closed while we clean this up. And there's just like cheers. Yeah. Everybody's happy. And in theory, I guess there is some kind of a tragic train derailing. I'm assuming (laughs) at least one person died. And they're still getting cheers. And it just had me thinking like, what? level of tragedy would have to happen for you to not get mm. excited about that causing school to cancel. Uh, yeah, I was thinking about... Like, how many bodies have to be yeah. stacked up before you're like, oh, shit. Now, I mean, I don't even care that we're off of school. It's just kind of sad. I mean, I think if less than 10 people die and you get off of school, I'm still happy. You know, under That's double fair. digits. That's fair. So, like, there's a big accident, you know. Oh, no, a big train accident. Oh, Let's no. Let's say, like, a 747 just crashed in the... In a the, very like, non-full 747, because that probably holds, like, 300 people. That's what I'm saying. Like, a big plane yeah, just okay, crashed so, in the back of your school. Right. So, 747, it's only got the pilots, maybe, like, one stewardess, and then, like, two business guys but they're dicks they're dicks they're dick business guys and also the pilots they started out their careers drug smugglers okay and so working for pablo escobar that plane crashes in the back of the school yeah nobody else gets injured right and there's also chemical there's drugs and chemicals on that plane because they're all bad business guys they're drug dealers okay you're still excited (laughs) the business guys are drug dealers and the pilots used to be drug smuggler. They used to be the transport for drugs. Oh, yeah. So a bunch of bad guys died. Yeah. So a bunch of like seven seven bad guys died. And then essentially we got off school. Yeah. I'm just excited. Yeah. But, so like, okay, what about like the principal? Oh, then I'm really excited. Like has a heart attack yeah. and suddenly passes away and they cancel school. Which principal? Which the, one? Just the fictional Which principal. Which one in my life? The <laughs> fictional principal of your high school. Yes, um, that might still be okay. <laughs> I don't really have a personal relationship with any principals, so I feel so like... So you're yeah. saying there's got to be like a body count of like 10 before you're... Yeah, then I then it turns like sad. Okay. But anything less than that, yeah, I'm, I'm excited. It's like just another snow day. Okay. So yes, that's happening. There, there is something brewing. There's some Tyra shit in this episode that will really rear its ugly head at the end. And so we, we want to bring up what's happening uh, to lay the foundation for her storyline. Her and Landry, before all the fucked up stuff happens at the end, her and Landry, something's happening. There's and when I say... Something. There's a little flirt going on. When I say something's happening, I mean there is only something happening for Landry. <laughs> <laughs> and Tyra is not clocking it at all. Um let's play a clip but here here's a clip of um some of their dynamics starting to build up i just really think you need a team on this and you got mr t standing right in front of you and t stands for tyra's algebra tutor (laughs) right seriously i'm really good at math (laughs) so in that in that clip He's looking to tutor her. He's looking to tutor her, and she's she's not that smart. He knows he is smart, and he's looking at this as his golden opportunity to hang out with her. And I kind of like it because it's turning into a Seth Cohen storyline a little bit, where the nerdy guy and clear like is obsessed with the girl, and she clearly doesn't want to give him the time of day. Yeah, and he's got the only thing he's got going for him is just perseverance and. Um... Like really like sharp game. It's an it's an endearing game. It's he's kind of yeah. like witty and funny, and he's in that clip. He says that line about like, uh, "Call me your Mister T." Tyra's T standing for Tyra's algebra tutor. Yeah. <laughs> so he's kind of just like funny, and everyone knows he's obsessed with her, but he kind of like does it in a non creepy way to where it's like endearing. Yeah. And lovable. So. And um. But in real life, kids, kids, you're only getting friend zoned here. Yeah. 
She's never falling in love with you. Yeah. Tread lightly on this, kids. Kids, um, it's very clear that he is as hard of being in the friend zone as you can physically possibly be. And the only thing that Tyra is not thinking about when she sees Landry is what his dick would be like no, in the that's open. that's very far from her mind. Um, the, one of the best parts when she makes plans for them to do like another study session, um, I guess on the Friday night, she's like, all right, it's a date. And, oh, yeah. <laughs> and then oh, she yeah. just goes back to reading her paper. Like she didn't say anything. And he's just like, Oh my yeah. God. Yeah. Finally. He, yeah. He hears it's a date and he takes that as, Oh, it's fucking on right now. <laughs> and she just, she just says like, okay, yeah, tomorrow night it's a date. And, uh, yeah, they show his face in that scene, and his face is like, oh, my, oh, my, oh, my God. <laughs> um, so that's going on with Tyra and Landry. We will revisit them in a second. Another question I just wrote down here, and I want to talk about it because I can't put my finger, finger on it. Why do I hate Lila and Waverly and their friendship so much? I don't know. They go shooting guns at one point, like... I was thinking maybe, do you have, like, strong anti-gun views? No, I don't. I just think I really hate both of them so much that watching them, like, bond over they both are dealing with some shit with their boyfriends. They're not actually friends, but just seeing, like, two random people come together and just over-indulging in this one weird thing, situational, contrived thing of coming together over hating their boyfriends... It just bothers me. And I also hate both of them so much that it, like, amplifies it even harder. So... I mean, full credit to <coughs> us. We didn't fast forward to those scenes. I was about to, but that shooting... The, the scene of them at the gun range ended so quick that I didn't have a chance to fast forward through it. But I was throwing up in my mouth the entire time that it was happening. But so do you think... You, is it just that you don't like these two characters individually, so when they hang out, it's just kind of the same, where you just now don't like them, or does it double down? Yeah, you know how, like, some people, like, I feel like some people, if they're with another person, then it kind of makes it okay. Like, the other person balances them out so well, that, like, if someone's, like, really aggressive or, like, insane or whatever, and they're with, like, a subdued, really good uh, like someone who compliments that really well, kind of like our dynamic on this podcast, mm -hmm. then it kind of turns both people, it makes them both better. But with both of these two, they don't compliment each other at all. And I actually think them together makes them both even worse than they already are. I think you're spot on. So nothing really else happens with those two storylines in this episode i just wanted to bring it up because i feel like the waverly dynamic is eventually gonna come to a head in some way like they're set they're laying the seat on all this shit but i'm not exactly sure why at this point i feel like their friendship was just like literally uh, <clears throat> like a move on the chessboard like a pawn getting placed somewhere to further along like the smash waverly plot line yeah i don't because know what but... happens is like Lila is talking about hanging out with her and like shooting guns and smash has to admit to her that, uh, oh, she, oh yeah. Yeah. Like he tells <clears throat> Lila that Waverly's bipolar and probably shouldn't be shooting guns, which I, I think is like, I guess Waverly's like pissed off that he told her that because that's re not really his information. Oh, to give out. I, so it kind yeah. of, I think that's what I, I really think that line is what their whole friendship is about just to kind of move that plot forward that makes sense because that does happen in an i think in the end of season one she freaks out because she finds out that he's now telling other people that she's bipolar and it just they get into a huge argument and she starts freaking out because of it are we also to assume that at this point lila does not have friends yeah i, I don't unclear because all the girls in this show seem like total lone wolves. Which is weird because the cool girls in high school have a million friends. Right. And then a bunch of other posers who really want to be their friends who are not cool trying right. to be friends with them. So, so like our two main characters, um, Lara being one, yeah. seemingly has no friends. So she's like scraping the bottom of the barrel and even trying to hang out with Waverly. And then Tyra, who's like 
seemingly cool as shit and should have a bunch of friends just has no like good girlfriends besides like she starts that friendship with julie yeah they always did this on the and julie doesn't have any girlfriends either no it's weird lois they oh, just yeah. keep yeah. mentioning yeah. Lois. But I don't think we've ever actually seen her. The the Coach T is always just like going over to Lois's house. Which, by the way, that name disgusts me. Lois. What about Lois Lane? Mm. Now we're talking. A good Lois. Yeah. Actually. She's smoking hot. <laughs> so maybe, maybe I'm just thinking of like Lois Griffin on a Family Guy and it's grossing me out. But, um, yeah, no, it's so true because on the OC, they would always do that where, like, they'd be at prom and then be like, in this year's prom queen, Summer Roberts. And you're just like, but Summer's only got one fucking friend, and that's Marissa. Yeah. I don't, so who's voting? Who's stacking the fucking votes I, I feel like we just box? uncovered something with T-dramas. They're like a little, um, I would say. They're too cool for friends? I don't I think they just there's some there's something where they don't give the female characters friends for some specific reason and I can't put my my finger on it. Yeah, who knows? Who knows? But okay. And it, and it might just be like <clears throat> characters because Seth and Ryan didn't have any friends and like the football team players they do have friends just because they're on a football team. But that makes f- sense with Seth and Ryan because Seth is a nerd loser and Ryan is like an outsider who just joined a new school. So like we need to get to the bottom of why. So the question why females, female leads in teen dramas do not have friends. Yeah, why don't they get friends? Good question. Um okay, let's get let's get to back to the the main storyline here. So they got to figure out coach has to figure out where they're going to play this football game. And the reason that 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 train wreck was important or whatever is because now they got to go find a field. They they're having a tough time finding um, like a neutral site in a stadium. So what coach does is he goes he stops at like a field in the middle of fucking nowhere, and it's just an, an open patch of grass with like cows grazing on it and shit. And he takes Tammy T there and he's like, "This is it. This is the spot." And it, it reminds him of, like, there's all this fucking shit going on. All the politics. All the behind-the-scenes politics of, like, uh, you know, what's going on with Buddy Garrity and boosters and giving money to kids. Like, all this stuff that doesn't make football fun. Right. The the hype surrounding this game is just getting to be too much. There's, like, sponsorships happening. Yeah. And there's all this just, like, there's just like weird stuff. And... I think this is probably how it is with Texas high school sports. Like people are forgetting that they're just high it's school kids playing football. And it's a game. You forget it's a fucking fun game and it turns into like a job. And um, they go to this field and he's trying to convince Tammy T that like, look, this is it. This is back to the nuts and bolts of just fucking the basics. This is what football is all about at its essence. A fucking field with sidelines drawn on and then two fucking gladiators two teams of gladiators going at it (laughs) 11 on 11 style without all the frills no no frills and all that shit and so the only thing that jumped out at us in this scene though was when coach is trying to convince tammy t that this is a good idea here's the clip close your eyes Pretend you're 10 years old again. Just play him. You're just playing. You want to play football? Um, a lot of contact on the face. Right. Um, <laughs> and this plays really good in movies and TV shows when, like, a character is like trying to get intimate or like really serious with another character. They kind of like grab their face, whether yeah. it's just like they're going in for a kiss and a face grab, or they're just talking to them. They'll like come in and grab their face softly. Yeah, it's like a soft grab. It's soft yet firm. It's like I mean business, but I'm not here to like commit a crime. For the listeners, I'm grabbing Brian's face right now and just getting real close and talking to him. Yes. I feel like this kind of thing... Did you have Chipotle for lunch? Because it smells like it. Yeah, I did. Uh, yeah, I'm getting it. Um, Chicken burrito? 
Uh-huh. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Glock. That's <laughs> all the Glock. Yeah. I feel it on your breath. So this kind of thing plays in a TV show and in a movie, but I feel like in real life, nobody likes when you touch their face. I, they do this, so I, I hope the kids... Kids, here's the thing. I don't think this is a good move and you shouldn't do this. They also do this on The Bachelor, which I fucking love The Bachelor, kids. Um, they do this on The Bachelor where guys, like, douchebag guys are always like, Oh, hey, baby. And right now he's got his hand on his on her face and it's like, get in here, you. <laughs> and it's like, yeah, I don't know. Because I would just be thinking, hey, bitch, can you get those fucking oils off my face? Motherfucker. I am prone to acne on my face if I get oils on it. Stop. So <laughs> stop touching my face. Get the hands off my fucking face, bitch. Um, but yeah, in movies, they're always doing it, and it makes it seem like it's like a sen- sensual, like sexual, subtle yeah. caress, you know? And I don't like it. It makes me also uncomfortable that, like, I also I don't like face talkers. Like, I don't like people that get in your face and talk really close like that. It makes me feel really uncomfortable. And he's also got Tammy T closing her eyes, which mm-hmm. also makes me nervous. Like, hey, at least let me keep my fucking eyes open, guy. Yeah. I need to know what's going on here. Anyways, um, yeah, that was that. So, what? A few other ones here. The Lila and um, Street are are really arguing a lot, and I don't really know what's going on with them. Like, I guess they're still technically engaged. They keep calling each other. Like, she keeps saying, "I just want to know if you're still my fiance or not." But I thought there was a it's one of my favorite scenes of this episode where he's all depressed. He's like in a super depressed funk. He's watching deer on TV. He's just watching deer on TV. He can't get out of his shit. You, you made the comment that he's also always wearing like now muted colors. Yeah. He's just wearing like greens and browns and he just looks like shit. Yeah. He looks terrible. And his hair is getting bad. His hair. Yeah. His hair looks like shit. And so he's just like wallowing. He's really in this depression phase of when I think you lose your legs. He's out of like the, I'm trying to fight the world. And now he's like back and just being in a funk. Well, if you recall on last episode, he missed the the rugby team. He did not get on the rugby team. Oh yeah, that's right. So that was like what was driving him. And now that's gone. He just fell flat on his face. Yeah. His his basket with every single egg he ever owns (laughs) dropped. Yeah. And now all his eggs are cracked. Yeah. Yeah, he's eggless at this point. And so he's just laying on the couch and she stops over. And I love this. I'm going to play another clip. I love this scene because um, it, was an ag- it was an aggressive verbal spat that mm-hmm. I really enjoyed. So here's, uh, here's the argument they get in when uh, she shows up and he's just lounging around on his, on his uh, couch watching Deer TV. What do I have right now, huh? I got a girlfriend who cheated on me. I got parents who are breaking up because of some stupid lawsuit. I lost a coach, lost a team, lost my friends, lost the quad rugby. So I got nothing. So I'm sorry if I'm not being the perfect boyfriend right now, but I got a lot more on my mind than powder puff in, in prom. And this cup is way too full. I'll spill it. You know that. No, it's not too full. What the hell was that for? You think it's been easy for me to help you in and out of that chair? Well, no one's holding a gun to your head, Lila. I do it because I love you, stupid. But now you're sitting here feeling sorry for yourself and acting like a jackass all the time. You want to play rugby? Find another team. You hate this lawsuit so much? Find a way to make it go away. Next time you want a glass of water, say please. I don't know why hearing Lila call him stupid like that, like with such a like vitriol, like in her voice and a jackass, like for a small moment, I stopped hating Lila so much. Yeah, because she's like her, like her main thing is just always acting like saccharine sweet and nice. And then when she snaps, it's like, oh, thank God there's a real person. Yeah. Yeah. I Whenever, whenever like a real human being comes into the picture, it's like, yeah, it's, Oh my God. So there's, there's not a robot in there. There's actually like a real human being who has real thoughts and emotions. Fucking could could have fooled me lady. Question for you. Um, in that exchange, once again, street brings up the fact that she cheated on him with Tim Reagan's. You talked about this before the first time he did it, which was months and months ago. Mm hmm. 
when does that grace period end? I think I we've like crossed it. I think like he's out of the window where he can no longer use that in arguments. I think that's a good point. And I think now, yes, we've crossed it. We've crossed into that Rubicon where it's like, I don't know if that saying's correct. We've crossed the Rubicon? Uh, yes. It, whatever it is, we crossed it. And yes, now it's becoming... I don't, I don't know if that phrase fits for this particular stance, but... We, let's act like it does. The Rubicon has been crossed. The Rubicon's been fucking crossed, kids. And um, while that Rubicon, kids, is being crossed, I think now we know it is, it's just on street. It's yeah. now on street. So this is the problem. This is the fucking issue. If you go long, if you say you're going to forgive the other person and months have passed, and after, you know, a certain amount, five months or whatever, you're still holding it over their head. Now it has shifted from being their fault, the the fucking idiot's fault who cheated, into now it's more on you. Yeah. He's forgetting the second half of forgiveness, which is after you forgive, at a certain point you got to forget. Well, there is that saying that is very cliche, which is like, I'll forgive this, but I won't forget this. Right. And that's, that's what... But... Yes, while you don't want to forget it, like, yes, forgive her. But the part of forgiving, yes, you don't forget it. But the part of forgiving is that you You no longer are holding it over her head. So, yes, you haven't forgotten that it fucking happened. Street's not going to forget that it happened. But he's got to let it go on making her feel like shit all the time about it. I think that's the forget part. It's like a, a metaphorical forget. I never forget. That's why they call you the elephant. No one calls me that, but yes. Behind your back, people call you the elephant. Oh, yeah. That's probably why they do it. <laughs> <laughs> um, the two, so the two storylines left are... Wait, I do have some thoughts on Street still. Yeah, because the two storylines left are the big Tyra one and the whole Mud Bowl. So if you have any other thoughts that you want to get to before those final two... So while we're on street, yeah, there's a scene where he's kind of um, he's in a field and he's just coaching up Saracen on like some quarterbacking moves. Yeah, which is a little foreshadowing, but he's just doing some drills with him and getting him ready for the game. Mm-hmm. He's wearing a different pair of really <laughs> shitty sunglasses. Yeah, and I forget I don't know why we didn't overlook this, but. Thank God you had Megan on the podcast to call this out because his sunglass game is the fucking worst. It's so bad. You're trying to tell me this guy used to be fucking cool? Yeah. And he only wears, like, Oakley sunglasses that are lame as fuck or, like, they're, they're like dad sunglasses. His sunglasses are caught somewhere in the middle between, like, sport shades and, like, casual shades and it just turns into dog shit. They just turn into dog shit douche. In yeah, fucking dog shit shades and douche shades. Like, th- I've never seen anyone who's cool wear sunglasses like the ones he's wearing. It's like, dude, get your head out of your fucking ass, man. Like, you you got all the time in the world now to browse the internet on what sunglasses are cool, mm-hmm. and you can just look at any of your friends who are probably not, ev- and no one is wearing these. So who's winning here? Not street. Not us for having to wash him. <laughs> he looks like a dad, dude. It, it, it all... F- Maybe Pete Berg is doing this intentionally of this whole mode of like age street when he gets his catastrophic accident, age him to where he's a 45-year-old man. And that's why he's wearing these sunglasses because there's no other legitimate excuse for this to be happening. It's unacceptable. It's sad. It's sad, really. It's so sad. Okay, let's uh, let's do the let's round out the tire storyline because I don't want to end on that. And this one is, you know, I've realized that when I go back and listen to our podcast that anytime something really, really actually bad happens, I only have one word to describe it, and that's tough. This is tough. <laughs> like I did it in the Kirsten Cohen when she got into that horrific car accident because of the uh, old technology she was using on a flip phone and uh, i did it on the marissa cooper rape scene with trey and i'm gonna do it on this tyra rape scene as well tough 
so fucking tough. I mean, both the OC and Friday Night Lights, they really fucking nailed it with making, giving you the stress and anxiety of like what it would really feel like watching a real life sexual assault take place. Yeah, this was very stressful. I mean, so I'm gonna I'm gonna pipe in some music here. This this music playing in the background of when these scene this scene is happening, and it just like stresses you out. It just like fucking takes you to a ten. I'm like, oh my god, oh my god. It's uh it's pouring out rain. Yeah, lay the scene. So the scene is uh, Landry and Tyra are supposed to meet up to study math. Yeah. And uh, at a diner. At a diner, and Landry's car breaks down, so he's running late. He hasn't showed up yet. Um, she's just at this diner by himself, by herself, just waiting for him. She makes the mistake of just acknowledging some guy who's like talking to her. She makes the big mistake of just being like, oh yeah, like giving him like grade C conversation and then just getting out of there. He looks, he reminds me of like Ted Bundy, like he looks like a normal guy. Yeah, he's just sitting there in the uh, in the diner by himself and he just makes a comment, I forget what it was. He looks non-threatening, he's just, he's drinking like a coffee and reading a newspaper, he looks yeah. like a normal non-threatening guy. Right, and she, uh, she pretty much just... Like, he says something to her, and she's just kind of, like, friendly, and says something <laughs> back, like, ah. and then, like, waits a little bit longer, and I guess it becomes clear that Landry's not coming, so she's like, all right. Time I don't, to go. Did, was it... Did, no, did, she wasn't feeling it. She she wasn't feeling like, this is creepy. She was just, like, kind of annoyed that Landry wasn't right, there yet. Right, right, yeah, yeah, that's what I was going to ask you. She's not, like, creeped out no. by the guy, because, like I said, it was just, he said something... She said something back and went back to her business. And then at a certain point, she's like, I guess Landry's not coming. So she walked out. And then he, he said, as home. she gets up, he's like, yeah, be careful out there. This rain's really coming down. And she's like, yeah, thank you. So thank you. Have a good night. Yeah. And she starts to run out to her fucking car. Yeah. And at that point, he follows her, um, says like, hey, you forgot your notebook. She turns around. He hits her and like forces her into the car oh my god yeah he fucking jacks her like full on like full punch fucking like jacks her in the face drags her into the fucking car he's it's pouring down rain outside and then he's like trying to just full on rape he's just full on trying to rape and then she finally like she was it the cigarette lighter yeah she uh she pushed the cigarette lighter yeah and got it real hot and burned his ass with it and in this moment, it was like, thank God Lila, uh, that Tara's like 6'3 and like yeah. pretty athletic because she was able to like fight him off and get out of there. Yeah, and then bashes his arm into the car, like his arm's dangling there, and then she slams the fucking door into it, and it fucking like breaks his arm. And, uh, and then, yeah, she gets out of there, but dude, fucking intense. Like, oh my God, the... It's just like full on rape scenes are just brutal to fucking watch. They're just like, holy shit. Would you say tough? Tough. Tough. Tough AF. Tough AF. So she miraculously escapes, thank God, um, and still pouring raining. Um, Landry finally shows up. Yep. He finally shows up, and this is really going to bring them together. And like any, any of these situations would, I, I think, I feel like anytime some fucked out thing like this happens where it's like an insane situation that two people are put in, it really like bonds you together. And I feel like this is laying the seed for their dynamic moving forward as they went, they both went through this really fucked up thing that he was like a part of and she won't tell anyone else about it and they now she, have a they now share something together yeah share something that was really intense and emotional yes and it's like bonded them and so now you have this guy who's like a nerd with this super hot cool chick but all of a sudden they share this insane situation and bond and it's like oh man uh now it's like they're really connected and he might actually be able to get with this girl so you know it's fucked up beyond belief, but 
maybe the silver lining is like now, yeah, there's a real chance that like Tyra found herself an actual good guy. A good guy, yeah. So, anyways, um, let's get let's get out of that drag. It, it was, uh, you know, like you said, tough. It's tough. Just tough. Um, mud bowl. This is intense. The mud bowl. The mud bowl. Reason it's called the mud bowl is again, it's raining like crazy outside, and they're playing in a cow pasture. And they're playing in a cow pasture, and starts raining. And what happens is this field is not set up. <laughs> Because it's just a field in the middle of nowhere. It's not set up to uh, deal with like a bunch of rain and players like digging their cleats into it and all this stuff. And so we were saying this is like the most fun you can possibly have as a high school dude. Oh, absolutely. Getting this muddy like in a football game where it's just you you can barely get your footing anytime you go to the ground. You just get all fucking muddy. You're covered in like dirt and all this shit. And it's just the best. It's like the coolest thing. Did you ever play in a game like that? I mean, I didn't play, but I've been involved in uh, muddy practices. Muddy wrestling? Mud wrestling. Mud wrestling. You do do that. No, any, no anytime I've played sports and it's raining that hard, it's just awesome. Even in grade school, you weren't in those games? Yeah, I was kidding. <laughs> I've, <laughs> I've played a sport or two in the mud. Um but the, my favorite part about it is the game completely changes. So mm-hmm. like if you're playing, like let's say you're playing soccer and it starts pouring down rain and mud, like you can barely kick it like more than 10 feet. So like all of a sudden the sport you're playing is 100% different than it was. And football, like you can't pass really in the rain, especially when it's coming down that hard. So it's like a full-on run game. And like kids who weren't necessarily the fastest on the team – like, if they have good balance, they're still going to have a great game because nobody else can run fast. And everybody's just on this weird, equal playing field. Well, and it so you're right. And it, that really, to your point, it really suits Saracen. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Because he doesn't have very much raw talent. But a game like this in the fucking mud just comes down to all fucking heart. I feel like this was a stroke of genius by Coach T. He yeah. was couching it in this whole, like, let's get back to simple. This is just what we need. This is football. But really, he's looking at the other team. I guess they they said at one point their defensive linemen, all three of them, ran four 640s, which is pretty crazy fast for defensive linemen. Yeah. yeah. So he's like, shit, these guys are way faster than us. We have Saracen as our quarterback. Let's lower the bar. Let's just play in mud. I feel like I was a little devious on his point. I don't know. I mean... I think it really worked out in his favor, but I he think couldn't have he, predicted the rain. No, but he, the shitty, sloppy field. I feel like it helped. It helped his team. Definitely helped his team because they were definitely they were more suited for that. It was really showing that his team is all heart, and this other while the other team has all this raw talent of all these guys going to D one schools, all heart. That's what gets you W's in the playoffs. Heart wins. Heart wins. Captain Planet Heart. <sighs> That's why, again, Matt Saracen going to get that Captain Planet heart ring. Mm-hmm. That, yeah. you know what? You know what? I didn't have an MCITW this week. So this week, I'm just going to have the fucking Captain Planet heart ring of the week award go to Mr. Matt Saracen. And that, fu- <laughs> and that fucking Captain Planet heart ring of the week award this week is going to be brought to you by our fine sponsors of Wicklow Wear. That is W-I-C-K-L-O-W-U-Wear. Be free and explore. Get all your outdoor gear at wicklowwear.com. Type in the promo code VL at checkout. Get 10% off of your order. Matt Saracen gets it. The Captain Planet Heart Ring Award of the Week. You know what I'd love Matt Saracen to do? Is when he's putting that fucking heart ring and he's got that monkey on his fucking shoulder. Mm -hmm. He has that monkey hop off his shoulder for a quick second while he puts... Some of our aforementioned VL fucking swag tees on. Yeah. Oh, and yeah. then the monkey jumps on his fucking shoulder. Under that monkey puts his fucking paws on that nice tri blend 5248 cotton poly split sitting on Matt's shoulders. Did you get your paws on those yet? Not yet. Okay. <laughs> but soon. But soon. The prints are in. The prints are in. The shirts have been ordered. So now it's all about. Just taking those prints, putting them on the shirts, 
and then just start dealing swag. Anyways, be free and explore. Brought to you by Wickleware. Matt Saracen gets that award. But I want to say this too. At the half, the coaches and the refs all get together at midfield and the refs are like, hey dude, we might need to call this fucking game. I don't know if this is safe out here for these kids. And then all the kids are like, fuck no. Let us play. We want to play. We want to fucking play. Yeah, they would never, you would never say, like, if you were in that game and you just, you're getting all muddy and like you're in that competitive heat of the moment, that fire, someone asks you if you want to quit this game, it's like, uh, fuck no. I'm in the middle of having the best time of my life, so. And yeah, I'm I already. the second half. I'm already muddy. Yeah, I'm not going to get more muddy and wet. I'm already <laughs> max muddy and wet. Yeah, so at this point, it's just going to be a lateral move, finishing out this fucking game muddy and wet. As awesome as it would be to play in a game like this, filming this whole scene would have been brutal. Oh, yeah. Right? Because you imagine yeah. they had to probably be there for a couple of days just getting soaking wet and like standing around and doing different angles and takes, just muddy as shit and wet. And cold. And cold. And actors are pussies. And actors are big pussies. Besides Tim. Mm -hmm. Um, But yeah, that's a real interesting point because, yeah, Taylor Kitsch is the only one who we know, not a pussy. It's an interesting point, though, because if you remember the fun fact about that Seth Cohen rain episode scene that we just put on our Instagram story, Mm -hmm. was the actor Adam Brody, Schwartz told us, was so fucking irate filming that scene upside down because the logistics of it, he's just getting rain coming down. He's getting waterboarded. He's just getting essentially waterboarded in a Spider-Man mask. <laughs> <laughs> and um, it would be the same thing in, in this where you just like you're here for five fucking hours like filming take after take with like Pete Berg just pumping in fake rain and you're getting all muddy and shit and clearly you're not this isn't your jam. You know, you're just trying to like go on a stage and act. You're not trying to be out in the elements, you know? But, um, yeah, anyways, there is a clip at the end of this game. So two clips at the end of this game. One, it's coming down to the wire as we know all the Dylan P games do. Yeah. Especially when it's this deep in the playoffs. Oh yeah. Yeah. And it's coming down to it. And coach has got to give a speech to get his team like extra Jack city for the final like drive of this game and here's what coach is uh yelling here's here's what he says to the guys everything he's been asked of you this year and that you have asked of yourselves gentlemen comes down to this blood sweat and tears it all stays right here on this field right now this is our dirt this is our mud this is ours baby clear eyes full heart can't lose oh yes you put those two magical phrases together, blood, sweat, and tears, and clear eyes, full hearts, can't lose, and it's like, fucking game over. I mean, the the uh, the team they're playing stands, Wes Canaan or whatever, stands no chance. If, if Kyle Chandler is telling you, holy shit, I just realized this guy I work with, his name is Kyle Chandler. So, do you think it's the same guy? He's definitely not the same guy. I was just uh, with him all week in Orlando. But wow, that's crazy. You should have, you should tell him about it. Yeah, I should. Um, they they yeah. should just I mean those two phrases are so magical. They should just combine them um, and just do like like clear eyes, blood tears. <laughs> you know? yeah. Does that get you inspired? Yes, yes, that would get me just as inspired. Uh, Coach T just he, he's he's an inspirational wizard. I, I mean, there's I don't know what else you could call him inspirational guru tony robbins on steroids like fucking rocky balboa just call him coach t <laughs> yeah well just call him coach t um anyway so matt final play of the game after they get that rousing speech goes down all heart kicks the fuck in takes his team down play breaks down He's supposed to like pass it to someone, but clearly it's too muddy. People are slipping all over the place. Can't get the ball in there. And he just goes like, I'm going to fucking take it. And you hear fucking uh, street like yelling from the sideline, like chop your feet, chop your feet. 
He's chopping those little feet of his. Gallops right into the end zone for the winning TD. You think he's not going to dive in? He'd be wrong. He dives right the fuck in there. He dives in. He so dives in. And the uh, the last clip I want to end this on is after this. What a great moment of Julie T. After the game, Saracen's feeling all good because he just had the game-winning TD to send him to the state state championship game. Yeah, yeah, yeah state, state state championship game against Voodoo, Voodoo Tatum. And so, anyways, Saracen's feeling all fucking good about it, like anyone would. You're on top of the world, and then Julie T, who's the hottest girl of all time in season three, comes over to him and jumps on him in this clip. Does the game bear in that? Nah. I mean, tells him that she loves him and that she's going to love him forever. After he gets a game-winning TD, the love of his life just says that to him. And, by the way, looking so fucking hot when she does it because she dives on him, gets all muddy and wet herself. Yeah, I love that. As a, like a really good juxtaposition between her being awesome and Waverly just being the worst. Waverly's like, oh, don't get um, me in the mud. Like, yeah, like, we're going to state. Like, everybody's muddy. Uh, she's worried about getting fucking muddy. It's just like, God, ah. God, no, that's a perfect. Ah. Whereas think... Julie just tackles Matt into the mud and they're rolling around. It's like, fuck yeah. I bet Pete Berg did that intentionally. He doesn't want you to like Waverly. And he knows if he shows a scene where Julie T is willing to get down and dirty in the mud yeah. because she loves Matt Saracen that much and, and Waverly's not. I think it's a real clear sign from Pete to us mm-hmm. that yeah. this chick's not here for the long Absolutely. haul. I think actually what Julie, uh, like her word for word response, or what she says when she kisses Saracen in the mud was, I love you no matter what. And then she just kisses him. Mm. If a girl says that to you, I know he probably didn't even hear what she said because it's just muddy and kind of excited. But if a girl says just out of the blue, I love you no matter what, are you just, are you getting like a little like, wait, what? Yeah, What'd I know. you say? I know, what I... you, like no matter what, like what, what? Yeah, I know. I, I... Or do you just, do you just think that's something normal? Because clearly no. she's talking about the potential move of their family to a different city. Oh, Yeah. But yeah. he doesn't know that yet. I thought you were talking about it like she's a clinger. Like, no matter what, like, even if I were to, like, cheat on you and shit, you're still going to love me no matter what. You're talking about she that says, was a little foreshadowing. She says, says, I love you no matter what. You're like, wait, wait what's, what's happening? What's the other, what's the thing? Wait, what, what's yeah. the what? Yeah, oh, I see. Yeah, so no, that that's a good point. That's a kind of foreboding. Yeah, yeah, I would be doing that. I, but I, we only I, know that it's foreboding because we, like, we have the omnipresent view of of seeing... Uh, what's yeah. going on with her family but Saracen did like he just he doesn't know oh, yeah I yeah love you no matter what too <laughs> so if I'm us watching it I'm just thinking you know I'm staring down the barrel of Julie T who's a full 12 out of 10 on look in the looks department and so I'm just excited that she said that to the to the guy we love Matt S right but yes if I'm Matt S in that situation maybe it is a little bit of like what 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 was that <laughs> what, what's up what was that thing you said? I'm sorry, I didn't catch that. It sounded like you said something else after the I love you thing that I should feel weird about. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, not, maybe not phrase it a little better, Julie T. But she was so caught up in the moment and she has that weighing on her. Yeah, exactly. I think that's why it was a perfect moment. But I like, I think just us as viewers were like, oh shit. Yeah, because if you did call That's going to come to a head by the end of the season, I guarantee you. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Guarantee you. Chekhov's gone, bitch. All right. You want an MVP? Yeah, who's your MVP of the week? I'm giving it to Tyra. Not only... Because of the tough scene. The tough scene. <laughs> Not only did she act the fuck out of that scene, but she also beat up an actual rapist. So yeah. Full credit to her. Full on broke his arm. Also, um, I love the flirt between her and Landry. It's awesome. Because she's so much cooler than him, and he's completely obsessed with her. And their flirt is just fun. Yeah. Like, whereas Saracen, like, clearly our number one relationship in the show is going to be Saracen and Julie. 
Clearly. But, like, their dynamic isn't as relaxing and easy to watch, whereas Landry and um, Tyrus is for me. Well, you know how we all love an underdog story? Matt Saracen's always an underdog, but he's still got some cred. He's still the starting quarterback on the football team. So right. while he's an underdog, like a boy amongst men vibe he's from him. still QB1. Yeah. Landry, there's zero. He's yeah. an underdog in all life. <laughs> I mean, he is not a good-looking dude at all. He's a nerd. Like, he's got no friends. Like, his he, band sucks. Yes, his band's terrible. <laughs> yes, he is a real, real underdog. And everyone loves an underdog story. So, yeah. I, I'm, I'm on board with it. I like her. And as we know, there's nothing better than just watching a, a guy who is a nerd but has, like, enough redeeming qualities push and push for a girl that's out of his league and you can kind of tell that she likes it yeah she just slowly starts seeing him break her down which again very different in real life in real life yes the girl probably likes the attention and she doesn't really know what to do a lot of times if that attention goes away however never will think of him sexually never never you are in the friend zone forever landry the Landry kids of the world out there. Sorry, Landrys. Sorry, Landrys. Okay, let's wrap it there. Cool. Landry kids, sleep tight. You sleep tight, Landry kids, and you have a really good night's sleep. Pat? Clear eyes, full hearts. Do less, Landry kids. Blood, sweat, and tears. (laughs) Do it. You can follow us on Instagram at Vicarious Living Podcast and listen to all of our episodes on iTunes, Stitcher, or SoundCloud. You know you found us when you see a picture of Pat and I sitting on a couple rocks overlooking the vast landscape that is Laguna Beach. Steven's there, just not pictured. Steven and Elsie, both there, just not pictured.